What is going on, everybody? This is Mike Hughes, and you're listening to Mike on the Mic, everything sports-related podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart that I've been wanting to talk about um, ever since it happened, five years ago almost, yeah, about um, the Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series Championship and what that meant for me as a person. I want to talk about the story of Glenn Hughes, my dad, who passed away in 2015, um, and I want to tell you the story about why I am the way I am today and how he shaped me um, into being one of the biggest Cubs fans that there are. I mean, this man taught me everything I know about the sports world. Right now, I'm currently um, just sitting here thinking about the moments, thinking about the memories, and just how much it meant to not only me, um, just being able to be go to games and just watch games and stay up late at night, um, sneaking down the stairs so my mom didn't hear me while she was sleeping because he would be downstairs on the computer and we would just talk for hours and hours about sports, about um, things he wanted to teach me, things he wanted me to know. But if you didn't know, um, my dad was a union worker. Um, he worked his ass off. He was in the trades um, with the plumbers union and, and that no one worked harder than that man. But not only did he do that, he was an artist as well. He worked with for the Bears. He worked for um, companies. He's done stuff for news channels and, and probably hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, I can't count how many specifically, but the man made drawings for everybody. He, he met Michael Jordan. He met MC Hammer. He met Walter Payton. He worked with Gail Sears. This man knew everybody and anybody that was sports-related or just big time. And don't ask me how. Um, he wasn't privileged. He he fought for everything he owned. He, he had... He, the structure that he built was all him. He didn't have like, you know, the easiest childhood, you know. He had uh I believe um three brothers and and three sisters if I'm not mistaken, and there were seven of them and that's insane. Um my dad fought for everything he had and so did his brothers and sisters and they are hugely hugely respected by me and so many others because of how um successful they've become. But what this is, this podcast is honestly all about um, is, is what the 2016 World Series meant to me because of the fact that I lost him a year prior. And, and I really want to dive into that because it's going to be, it's probably, when, when you think about like a Disney Channel movie type thing, you know what I mean? Or, or a poetic story. When I explain to you what went into the 2016 season for me as a Chicago Cubs fan, it, it's like you couldn't write this shit. Like you really couldn't. Um... And I'm not going to swear throughout this because I want to keep it respectful. It's my new thing now. Um, I'm going to try to be as professional as I can be. Um, but there are little moments where I'm going to, you know, here and there, you're just going to, you're going to hear some stuff. So get ready. Um, so if I'm really breaking it all down, I want to talk to you about my dad as a person. My dad, um, Italian guy, he was the biggest Cubs, Bears, Blackhawks, Bulls fan there ever was. Hated the White Sox with a passion. Um... He married my mom, they had my sister and me, and, and, and honestly, from the jump, he was invested in making us just like him, in a sense of, we knew every sports player, we knew every team, we knew everything about everything um, because of him. Even if we didn't want to hear about it, he was going to talk about it. And that, that man literally gave his heart and soul to his favorite teams, and there's nobody else out there better than that. Um, and there's nothing better than you would want from your fans than what my dad represented for them. Um, I think, you know, not only did he meet guys like Michael Jordan and, and, and guys that I mentioned earlier, but they liked him. And that was the difference. A lot of these guys, um, they meet fans and then, and then, you know, you forget about them. But they always remembered my dad. And I always thought that was the craziest thing. Um, 
one of the last people me and my dad got to meet were, was Jim Hampton and Joakim Noah. We ran into him, at, ran into both of them at Rosemont at some um, signing event or something like that. And I got a basketball signed by Joe, and um, he got a football signed by Jim McMahon, which was just awesome. Um, I had the option of getting a, an autograph by Peyton Manning, but for some reason, 14-year-old Mike Hughes felt the need to get a basketball signed by Joakim Noah. Now, no offense, but looking back on it, money-wise, I should have probably got that ball by uh, Peyton Manning. But um, anyways, for my dad, my dad, if you don't know what happened to him, um, when I was around 10 years old, my dad had a heart attack. Um, and then it slowly just progressed. He had diabetes as well. Um, then he got cancer. He beat cancer. And uh, he got cancer around, I believe it was like 2012 or 2011, something like that. Um, this was a long time. I was like 11 years old. And he beat it. He had kidney cancer, if I'm not mistaken. I know he had two types, but um, he had kidney cancer, I think, the first time. And then the second time was my freshman year of high school. Uh, it was my 2014, 2015 year. Um, I was starting on, on our flag football team. I was playing safety. And, and he got to go to my games, but then I believe it was around September, they told us that my dad um, wasn't going to live much longer. Like, he, the cancer came back. Usually it's called the five-year mark. Um, I do believe it was 2011 now because I believe he had just reached the five-year mark where they say if you survive it, um, after you beat it, if you have um, no symptoms or it doesn't come back after five years, you should be good, which is insane because exactly around five years, um, the cancer came back and it was terminal. There was no chance to bring my dad back. There was nothing you could do or say to change that. And that's, that's not one of the most insane things for a 14 year old to have to process. And it was something I, I, it took a long time for me to process. I still process it every day. Um, you know, I, I, it's not something I think about every single day, but it's something that just you carry for the rest of your life, if that makes sense. Um, it's something that I'll always remember. And for me as a person, it was more of just staying in school and just getting the best grades as possible and spending the most time with them as I could. Um, like I said, me and him did everything together. We watched Cubs games, went to games. We took pictures. We met uh, Ryan Dempster in front of uh, Wrigley Field and then uh, just so much more And after a game once. It was just so cool. Back when they used to have the garage where the, and, the, and the parking lot where the players would come out of, instead now it's a little bit different. Um, but players used to just sign stuff for you right then and there. And then we met Ryan Dempster, signed a couple balls for me, um, or one ball for me. And and that was just so, it was so cool. Just like this man could just, if he wanted to get somewhere or he wanted to meet somebody, he was going to do it. And there was no stopping him. And that was the craziest part, I think, about my dad um, that not a lot of people know is that man, whatever he wanted to achieve, he did it. And he did it on his own. He had to help along the way, yeah, no doubt, but um, he was just driven to do exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to be an artist. He was going to be an artist. Uh, he, this man could have been a comedian. I truly do believe he could have had his own Netflix special just talking about stories, and he was the life of the party. Um, so to see him the way he was towards the end, um, it, it was hard. It really was hard. But he never, he never changed. He never once doubted anybody or, or got frustra too frustrated to the point where um, it was viewed as being weak. He was never weak. He was always strong. He was always that guy who, no matter what, believed that it was all going to be okay. 
And and one big thing me and him always said, and I, and I say it to this day, if you see, I have it as my caption on everything. Um, he was the biggest Walter Payton fan in the world. He met. He was great friends with Walter Payton. Um, they met various times. I, I there was a story where he slapped my dad's butt. Um, just joking around, and and it's just crazy stories like that. And he worked with Gail Sears, but Walter Payton especially was somebody that um, he put on me, and and I always loved Walter Payton. I was a track star, um, or a track athlete, I guess you could say. Uh, growing up so watching guys like Walter Payton was huge for me even though I wasn't playing tackle football I was playing lacrosse I was playing football tackle football with my friends I was running track meets I went to state um, seeing guys like Walter Payton was inspirational in a way and, it, and he still is to this day because Walter Payton also died of cancer if you didn't know um, and he had this quote he had this quote that was just so insane to me um, it says it's basically never die easy and that's what me and my dad promised each other. Um, the quote right here, I could pull it up for you. It's, uh, hold on, I need the full quote. I don't want to give you just half of it. Right here. Never die easy. Why run out of bounds and make it easy? Make that linebacker pay. It carries into all faces of your life. Um, it's okay to lose, to die, but don't die without trying, without giving it your best. Walter Payton. Um, and that was basically, my thing with my dad was, as long as he fought, I would continue to fight for the rest of my life. And there was not one day where my dad folded. Even through dialysis, through the heart issues, through diabetes, through two cancers, he never folded. He'd get frustrated. He might throw something here and there. He might even yell, and you know, you really didn't even do anything. Um, but that was very rare. That was, you know, and it was completely understandable. It was something you never, um, you, you think that that wouldn't happen to you, but when you're in those own, when you're, though you're in those shoes and, and, and it's you that it's happening to, it's a completely different perspective. Um, so it was completely understandable. But with my dad, it was 2015, um, July 10th, 7-10, yeah, um, the day he passed away. And it was just, I remember one of our last conversations, it was, um, I was working at a, at a summer camp. And, and that night, we, I was just drawing a picture or something because me and him used to spend hours and hours drawing every night. And this, he was in the hospital. Uh, we got the call, you know, he passed away that, uh, that morning and everything. Um, and it was just, it was just surreal. And going into my sophomore year, I had such high hopes for the Chicago Cubs because I thought, and a lot of people thought, this was the team. Um, my dad and I got to meet Anthony Rizzo, which was amazing. Um, we were supposed to meet Javier Baez, but something happened where he couldn't show up. Um, and, and it was just, we got to meet these guys, and he knew guys like Joe Matt, and he didn't know them, but he knew of them, and I'm happy he got to. Um, he knew Chris Bryant was coming. He knew Javier Baez. He knew Anthony Rizzo. He knew of John Lester and Theo Epstein and Jake Arrieta and so on and so forth. So for me, I wanted this team to win a ring. So at least he would have known the guys who were on there, if that makes sense. Um, so with that being said, we're entering my sophomore year of high school. Everything's great. The Cubs, it's 2015 um, still, and the Cubs are looking great. Chris Bryant looking like the rookie of the year. Uh, Javier Baez is coming into his own, you know what I mean? Jake Arrieta, Jake Arrieta throwing a no-hitter, insane. Um, I believe that first one was against the Dodgers. 
Yeah, the day against the Dodgers, and the second one of the year uh, after was against the uh, Cincinnati Reds. But basically, I knew this team was going to be special. My, my sister knew they were going to be special. My mom knew they were going to be special. Um, but a lot of people doubted it just because it's the same old Cubs. But something told me this was the team. And I don't really know what it was. It, I can't explain it. I can't tell you um, why it was the way it was or why. I guess it was just a part of me just really hoped they would end up being that successful. Um, but at the end of the day, my main point is to you right now that there was no doubt in my mind that this team is going to win a World Series championship. Now, in 2015, we did go to a lot of games. I loved it. Every part of it was amazing. Um, but we're not going to focus on 2015. This, this was my sophomore year. Um, my dad passed away on the 10th, so I did get to change my jersey number um, the following year after the senior left uh, to number 10, and that's why I wear number 10. Uh, just fun fact. But um, after that season... We, w- we made it to the playoffs. We beat the, uh, we beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. Then we beat the um, St. Louis Cardinals. And then we got tickets. We got tickets. The Cubs were down 3-0 to zero, um, in the series. Me and my sister got tickets to go see the Chicago Cubs play the New York Mets in the NLCS uh, Game 4 where they got swept. And, and the crazy this – is, this is the part of the story where it's just – insane to me it's one of those poetic kind of things i got to meet tom ricketts tom ricketts was walking around that was cool experience um me and my sister got a picture with him if you i could drop it on there but that's when i'm wearing glasses <laughs> i look like a dork um but um we got to meet him the cubs got swept that day that game um and the mets went on to go to the world series they lost to the kansas city royals um with ben zobrist and and honestly though it wasn't as bad of a feeling as you would think because after the game, um, we walked down all the way to the front row, right, right by the field where the old uh, pitcher's bullpen was because they didn't have an indoor thing like they do now under the bleachers. It was on the side. Um, it was basically on the foul, uh, foul ball wall, basically. But um, you know what I'm talking about. So I stood there and I'm looking around the field. I'm looking around the field. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, cute or trying to be one of those Disney Channel kind of things. But I was just looking around and I was like, you know what? This is just a taste. This, and you know, like the, the, the 108 year curse. He's up there and he's going to make some moves for us this offseason. Everything's just going to align perfectly. I truly do believe that. I'm going to be here sometime next year and we're going to win a fucking World Series. And that's, that's honestly, through a 15-year-old's head, I know anybody thinks that. Anybody goes, oh, maybe next year. I w- was making a statement in my mind that I knew for a fact this team was going to win the World Series the following year for my dad, um, which was insane, which was insane to say because my team just got their ass beat and, and they got swept. And then the offseason happened. The offseason happened. We got Jason Hayward. I remember being in class. I didn't do my projects, so I called like homesick or something. And I was like, I got to go home. Um, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to have to present without having a project done. And my buddy Adam, he's my good buddy. He's a big diehard Sox fan. We used to debate at the lunch table all day long, 24-7. And he would just dog me all the time about 108 years, 108 years. You're never going to get anybody good to join the team. Uh, you'll never be good enough to make it to the World Series. 
that day I left, I had class with Adam, and I didn't get to see him because as I'm in the car on the way home, Jason Hayward gets signed to um, it was like what a, a six year deal or something, um, to the Chicago Cubs, and it was the big. Ba- I flipped out. It was the best news I had heard in a minute. Um, and I was texting everybody. I was like, holy crap, holy crap, we got Jason Hayward from the Cardinals. And that was why it was such a big deal. And then we got John Lackey from the Cardinals, so it was even bigger of a deal. Then we got Ben Zobris, who had just won a World Series with the Kansas City Royals. It was an, another huge accomplishment. Um, and it was, I just felt it. I, was, I started talking my shit to everybody I knew that didn't like the Cubs. And I said, this is the year. Nobody's going to mess with me. All the Mets fans in the comments were like, you guys aren't nothing. You guys can't beat us. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the Mets were crap. They didn't even. I don't even know if they made the playoffs that year. Um, I wasn't focused on them. I didn't care. I had bigger goals. Um, and and that was that was history. That was the start of history. And then the twenty sixteen season started. And when I tell you, every game was like magic. Every game was like magic. It was like nothing you have ever seen. I had been to so many games in twenty sixteen. It wasn't even funny. Um, I got to wear my number 10 jersey during flag football for my dad. My This is my junior year now, um, 2016. And it was just magical. Everything just felt right. Um, the summer of 2016 was probably one of my favorite summers of my whole life. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't even just about the Cubs. The music, the friendships, the, the, the activities to do, all of us just being in our youth, but also... Um, not being old enough to really go out and do things. So we all just hung out together. It was just 2016. If you're around my age, you know for a fact was one of the best summers of all of our lives. And the way the world's looking right now, it looks like it ain't going to be beat for a while. Um, But it was just something in the air. The Cubs were special. The Cubs were so special in 20. They brought back Chris Coughlin. Uh, They brought up Wilson Contreras. There were so many good things going on for the Chicago Cubs. And and there's just nothing else you could say about it. It, it was just magical. Now, um, one thing I do want to point out was even though the Cubs were as amazing as they were, they were still getting some doubt. There was still some doubt out there that um, they couldn't pull it off. But nobody listened. Jake Arrieta threw his second no-hitter um, in a span of like a year. Because if you, if you really look at it, um, from when he threw his first one to when he threw his second one. I don't even think it was a full year went by. Um, David Ross got the catch for it. That was amazing. Um, Jason Hayward, I believe, caught the last out. And then a random fan ran in the stands who was a Cubs fan. And, like, it was just it was just so dope. All the fans were into it. Everybody was into it. Um, it was a great experience, if you remember that. Chris Bryant was having his MVP season. Uh, Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young. Kyle Hendricks and John Lester were Cy Young runner-ups. Um, it was an amazing year for B- Cubs baseball. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, I believe, came in fifth, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, MVP voting. Javier Baez, like I always said, uh, was coming into himself. One of the biggest losses was Kyle Schwarber tore his ACL and his LCL, um, or it was his MCL. It was one of them, um, but it was definitely his ACL and something else. But he tore that at the beginning of the season. So we did have a little bit of issues because we had guys like Jorge Soler, who weren't um, fully ready for every single day game um, because of their lack of defense. Um, And Jorge Soler, now that you see him as a DH in Kansas City, you see that this man can hit over 40 home runs a year. And if we had a DH spot, I don't even know how many games we would have won. I promise you that. Um, It was just one of the greatest 
runs I've seen from a team in in so long. Um, their record was 103 and 58. There's no question about it. It was just one of those special years, man. There's just nothing I can say to it, you. Really, just had to be there. You had to know about it. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's get into this. We're gonna dive right into it. Dive into every single playoff round. Now, mind you, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of brief to why I might not. Uh, I might be missing some key parts right here. Um, in 2016, that uh, year around September. I got a concussion playing football, um, flag football. I got kneed in the neck. I dove for an interception. I dove for an interception, and boom, just got this kid's knee running full speed. It was some kid on the track team. Um, of all luck, the old track star got nailed by uh, nailed in the neck by a track star. But um, full speed, right in the neck, I got a concussion. So around that time, I'm trying to figure out my life. I'm also trying to hold my emotions in because... I want to see this team win for my dad so bad. And it was just honestly, there was just so many things going on. It was honestly, my friends were even just so excited for me. Everybody knew. Uh, me and my old, uh, the dean, um, Mr. Ryan, uh, he gave me a hard time probably every day of my life at that school. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, every time the Cubs would lose, this man would walk up to me and go, hey, Cubs didn't look so hot today. And every time they would win, he would walk past me and say nothing. He was just one of those old Irish guys, and he knew, you know, um, I wouldn't say I was a troublemaker. Well, I was. I'm not going to lie to you. But um, I was also a good kid, and I think he recognized that. I was just going through some stuff, um, so I would act out. Not, you know, nothing horrible. Wasn't doing drugs or anything like that. I was just, you know, disruptive or I would say snarky comments, stuff like that, kid stuff. Um, but honestly... That Even that playoff year, he even seemed a little bit excited. I never knew if he was a Cubs fan or not. He never said. He told me he would tell me when he graduated. Never told me. Um, <laughs> he's an asshole. But uh, he's a good guy. And um, anyways, back to it. There was this rule. If the Cubs won the World Series, we wore uniforms at my school. We, I went to uh, Northtown Academy. It's on uh, Peterson and Pulaski. It's... Uh, it was this rule where we always had to wear uniforms every single day. It was our thing. Polos, dress shoes, all that. But if the Cubs won the World Series, we got to wear our Cubs jerseys. So I was banking on it. The whole the whole month, I was banking on it. Now, the Mets lose to the Giants in the wild card round. Freaking ecstatic. I am ecstatic. Even though I wanted to face them so bad, I just wanted Mets fans to shut up. And then we ended up playing them. Um... Now, I did skip a brief part. One of the biggest parts of this Cubs 2016 team was the trade for Aroldis Chapman. We traded Gleyber Torres, shortstop, um, who's now a New York Yankee, for Gleyber Torres, or uh, for Aroldis Chapman as a rental. He's still a New York Yankee. He went back. Very unfortunate we couldn't keep him long term. Um, but, you know, he won us a World Series, no question about it. We had Wilson Contreras up, uh, Chris Coughlin, and so many others. John Lackey was looking amazing. Uh, Jason Hamill was looking decent for a fifth man in the rotation. We It was just looking great. Everything was looking solid. Pedro Strope, Hector Rondon, um, Carl Edwards Jr. Carl Edwards Jr. with that nasty curveball back in 2016. If you remember that curveball, whoo, that boy was nasty. I miss Carl so much. Um, and Aroldis Chapman. It was honest. And Mike Montgomery. It was honestly solid. Uh, we had Trevor Cahill as well and, and a few others. But that was the main focal point of the uh, of the pitching staff. And then for the starting rotation, we had John Lester, Jake Arrieta, um, Kyle Hendricks, 
John Lackey and Jason Hamels. Uh, that was that was honestly it. But it was one of those things where you just looked at this roster on paper and you knew for a fact there was no doubt in anybody's mind that the Cubs were winning that game or the, the, winning the whole thing. It was just without a doubt the best team I have seen in probably my whole life without question. Um, so I'm going to get into it. The Cubs, MVP of the NLC, NLDS, no question about it, Javier Baez. Javier Baez was raking. And, and in San Francisco, we got to see Jake Arrieta hit a bomb um, off Madison Bumgarner out of all people. It was just insane. It was Jake Arrieta is a starting pitcher, if you're, if you're not aware. Um, he just hit off one of the best pitchers in the league at that time. The Giants were coming off of that, you know, every even year they'll win the World Series, which they were a dynasty and you have to respect them for that. But it's just one of those things where it's like there was so much confidence from the Giants because, just because of the fact that it was an even year. They didn't give a shit. They knew they were going to win. Uh, so that made it even more sweeter when we beat them. Um, we move on to the Giants. Or not the Giants, the Dodgers. I'm sorry. Um, the Dodgers beat the Washington um Nationals, and then they go on to play us in the NLCS. Now we return to the NLCS, and my biggest fear is that I don't get to go to a game. Luckily, my mom pulls through. I didn't even ask her. She said, you want to go to the Cubs game? Game one. So I go with my cousin, Ryan Hughes, my sister, um, and my mom. And we're at the game. We're sitting there. And it's Clayton Kershaw versus John Lester. Now we're going into the eighth inning, and Rollis Chapman blows the lead. We were winning 3-1. to one. Games tied 3-3. This was the greatest moment in Chicago Cubs history for me, without question. For me, it's the greatest moment I've ever experienced. It was the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. Um, This was the moment I knew for a fact it was in the back, without question. So I'm sitting there. We're all watching the game, and then, um, what's it called? It goes in in a certain order. Um, I believe Ben Zobris got a hit. Somebody, uh, Addison Russell, I believe, got a hit. Jason Hayward got walked. It was something like that. Jason Hayward got walked and the bases were loaded. Javier Baez got out. Um, somebody else got out and there were two outs. And, De- and um, Miguel Montero, I'm sorry. It's uh, currently 3.20 a.m. But Miguel Montero is on base. Bases are loaded, tied 3-3, to bottom of the eighth. And this man hits a grand slam. Now, I'm thinking, all right, he, maybe he's going to bunt. Maybe maybe uh, he's just going to try to crack it into left or something and get on base. Be safe about it. You know, just go for the single and get as many points as you can off of this. This man hits the loudest grand slam I have heard in my life. You could hear the cheers from Wrigley Field. People recorded it from miles away. Now, this was over 42,000 people were at this game. Um, it was maxed out. It was insane. This is only game one, mind you. It was probably the greatest moment of my life. Like, without question. I don't care what anybody says. I have a niece who was just born. I have so many other accomplishments. I graduated high school. That was the moment. That was the moment when I die, I will go up to God and I will say I was there when Miguel Montero hit the Grand Slam, um, making the game 7-3. to three. Immediately after this, everybody's freaking out. Everybody's dancing, half drunk. Uh, everybody's going crazy at Wrigley Field. The bleachers are insane. It's they're livid. It's I forgot what day it was, but it was a night game. It was insane. 
It was freezing. This, mind you, this is like October. It was freezing. Um, and nobody cared. Nobody cared at all. Um, and I just kind of looked up and I was like, this is it. This is, this is our story. And before I can even process anything else, crap. Dexter Fowler hits a home run immediately after. Which kind of sucked because all the momentum was kind of gone. So, like, he still got cheers and stuff like that. But it was, like, it wasn't the same as that initial hit. Um, but, yeah, that was just so insane to me. But, and it was after that game, the Cubs went, ended up winning that game. It was just so surreal. And it was a great game. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it was a tight game throughout everything right up to that point. And there was nothing anybody could say to me to make me think, like, let me, let me run it down for you. We scored in the first. We scored two in the second. And then it was quiet for the rest of the game until the eighth inning uh, where we scored five runs. And they scored in the fifth inning and they scored two in the top of the eighth. So it was tied the whole time. It was a tight game. Um, Miguel Montero, man, insane, insane. Um, But yeah, John John Lester went six innings. It was amazing. Um, I forgot how many innings Clayton Kershaw went, who is also one of the best pitchers in the league. We, without question, um, played an amazing, amazing athlete. It was something so special that I don't even I don't even know how to get into it. Actually, it wasn't. It was uh, Kenta Maeda, I think, I believe, who pitched that game. Um, I'm sorry. But it was just so amazing to see that. And there was just no question about it. I swear, I thought... Um, Clayton Kershaw was in that game. Let me keep looking. I guess he wasn't. Um, all right, whatever. But um, it's just insane. It was insane to me to see that, to think about that. Without question, the greatest Cubs game that I have ever experienced. It was phenomenal, no doubt. Um, then we go on to play the Indians. Going on to play the Indians, it was one of those moments where you really didn't know what 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 we, what was to expect i we didn't see the indians that much that year we didn't face the indians as much um but it was just it was just so intense it was the world series it was the first world series i've ever been a part of as a cubs fan excuse me um obviously the white Sox in 2005 uh i didn't give a shit never did my dad didn't even watch it my mom was watching it i believe just you know just to see if they won um she's a diehard cubs fan as well but you know it's on so you do what you do um, and my dad went upstairs and said, I'm not watching that shit. And he went upstairs and he went to bed um, while everybody celebrated, which is, that's my dad, you know. Um, that's how he was. And so we're playing them and, and we're down 3-1. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. Um, before, the, before the series even starts, I'm in my uh, econ civics class and my teacher, uh, Mr. Doyle, Die hard Sox fan and Packers fan, man. Like, this guy blows, no question. Um, but he's a cool guy. I mean, he was a great guy, but like, it, at that time, like, he would just give me shit. And I'm writing down statistics and I'm writing down the lineups that I, I'm predicting. And, and for some reason, I felt like Kyle Schwarber had a chance of coming back. I just felt it. I said, you know what? He tore his ACL at the beginning of the year. It's currently October going into November. 
that is technically enough time for him to actually come back. Now, as a Chicago fan, you also know that it's a good chance that he won't come back because guys like Derrick Rose with their ACL, it's a totally different breed. What ended up happening was Kyle Schwarber wasn't healthy enough to play left field, but because we were in the World Series and we saw half of the games were going to be able to have a DH, he was healthy enough to bat. This man, Kyle Schwarber, was what helped us win the World Series. There's three people that won us that World Series. And I will say it till the day I die. It was number one, Kyle Schwarber. Number two, I don't care what you say, a Rollish Chapman. And number three is Theo Epstein. Without question. Kyle Schwarber batted over 400 in the World Series. Um, I believe in his first that bat, he got, his, uh, he got a hit. It was just insane. It was insane to me. Um, Aroles Chapman, when we were down 3-1, was dealing. He was going more than two-plus innings a game. Joe Madden made that risky call of having him do that. Uh, came back to bite us in the ass in Game 7, but without him doing that, we wouldn't have had a Game 7. Um, no question about it. One of the biggest things I think I really wanted to get to you guys and, and, and have a conversation about um, was what I was doing on Game 7. Game 7, everybody was at parties. Everybody was watching the game somewhere. And I stayed at home and I watched it with my mom. I believe it was a school night. Um, I forgot where my sister was. My sister was by downtown. Or not downtown, I'm sorry. Wrigley Field um, with my uh, brother-in-law, Brian. And my cousins, Kyle and Ryan, they, were, they live over there. Everybody was over by Wrigleyville. And I was sitting watching the game with my mom. Um, as I should, you know, being like 16 years old. What the hell am I doing out that late? Um, we're watching the game. And Rajay Davis hits the home run against Arolis Chapman. And the game is tied. And I go, man, that is just some bullshit. Like, that's, you know, like, this isn't how it's going to end. We fought. We climbed our whole way back to game seven. And that's how it ends. It's not, it can't be this way. Um, now, something that's going to sound like bullshit. And I'm sorry, I keep swearing. But it, it is. It's going to sound horrible. It's going to sound like I'm making it up. But I promise you I'm not. Every significant event in my life that I can remember um, since my dad passed away is rain. You know, some of the biggest moments in my life that I'm not going to get into because I don't want to talk about it. Um, anytime there's significant events, it always rains. And I don't know why, it's just I just feel like it's always raining uh, before something happens or when I'm doing something successful or just when something's going on. I always get caught walking home in the rain from school or just... From wherever I was going, it always rained on certain time, uh, certain like big events. You know what I mean? Um, and and then the rain delay happens. And this was the first event of rain that I had at that time. Um, not in life, but you know what I mean? Um, when I started noticing stuff like this. And I'm not going to say it's my dad. I'm not going to go and jump the gun and say something like that. I'm just going to say it's something I've observed and it's something that I think is kind of cool. Um, so to have a rain delay... You know, when we needed it most, it was one of the biggest moments um, in baseball history. And, and I truly do believe without that rain delay, we really don't know what would have happened um, during that game. Now, we hit it. We hit it. We get off cracking and we're going into to the extra innings. And man, Miguel Montero, Ben Zobrist, they do their thing. Um, Albert Amora with amazing base running, the amazing famous tag up that honestly was one of the only reasons I really think he was kept as long as he was was because of his athleticism, because of his speed um, and his great glove. But he tagged up, and, man, we were just in it to win it. And, and, and we got the lead. 
the Cubs were about to win the World Series, all we really needed was to finish out the game. Now, Carl Edwards Jr. and Rollis Chapman got taken out. Um, so there's one out left, and Mike Montgomery, the guy we traded for midseason um, by the Seattle Mariners, if I'm not mistaken, um, he's in. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, all right, I think we got this. And he hits him with a curveball. Or it was, I think it was a curveball, if I'm not mistaken. Fact check me if I'm, not, if I'm wrong. Um, and this ball gets hit right to Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, he slips as he throws the ball. And Anthony Rizzo has to extend and be the gold glove first baseman that he is. And he catches the ball and the Cubs win the World Series. And I cheered, I screamed, me and my mom were just jumping around. And I went upstairs and I just kind of started to cry. And, and it was one of those amazing moments. And it wasn't like I was like bawling my eyes out like, you know, like a baby. But it was just, I just, it was something I wish he could have seen. And it was something I wish he could have been a part of. But I felt like at the time, he could see it through my eyes. Everything he hasn't gotten to see ever since, he's seen through my eyes. Which is unfortunate because ever since 2016, all of Chicago sports has been pretty rough. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just something special to me and something that I took near and dear to my heart. Um, so then after that, me and my mom, we get in the car. We, we already bought our hats. We already bought our shirts. You know, We were buying them the whole postseason because um, for whatever reason, we felt like this year was the year. Now, these are like $30, $40 shirts. They, they were booking us on the prices. MLB was crazy. Um, every time they advanced, they felt like they got more expensive. My mom was just saying that the other day. Um, and, and we went to go meet up with my cousins in, in Wrigleyville. And we were just walking around Wrigleyville. I remember somebody stole the Taco Bell sign. Um, and just... Which was crazy. People were just going nuts. You could smell beer, liquor, weed in the air. Every everybody was just having a grand old time. I saw guys on top of cars that were moving with big W flags waving around. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. And without a question, I went to school that next day in my Cubs jersey and I looked at everybody and I was I said, I told you so. And it was honestly the greatest feeling I've ever experienced, I've ever been a part of. And there's a lot more stories I could talk about with my dad and the Chicago Bears. Um, my dad was one of the biggest diehard Bears and Cubs fans there were. Blackhawks and Bulls, he loved as well. But Bears and Cubs were my dad's shit. They were what got my dad going, got him waking up in the morning. Um, as I sit here right now, I'm looking at his old pictures. And it's just insane um, to think that he just did this for so many people. And to to have him be one year away from being able to see that World Series is is something that used to bother me. It's something that I used to think, why didn't why couldn't he just stay a year longer and finally get to see what he wanted to see? But when I think about it, I don't know if they would have won if he didn't pass away. Cause I truly do believe a part of those things that happened that off season and happened mid season, the rain delay and just so much more. You, all, you just wonder. You just wonder if there's a higher power. You wonder if, you know, I believe in God, but I'm not, I don't preach it. You know what I mean? Um, I just kind of live my life every day the best I can. And and uh, what happens from there in the end is it's it's what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm fine with that, um, whether there's heaven or not. But you do, it does make you wonder if there is somebody up there watching, all, watching over all of us. And it was just one of the most surreal things in the world to me to think that a year after he passed away, everything just magically came together. 
And it was honestly one of the greatest storybook things I've ever heard in my life. And that's what I wanted to share with you guys today is I left a lot of key parts out. I know that after I finished clicking record, um, I'm going to look back and think, wow, there's so many more things I wanted to talk about, about me being a Cubs fan, about um, being a Cubs fan growing up and how, you know, kids used to make fun of me. All oh, the Cubs suck. They didn't make fun of me, but they made fun of the Cubs whenever I'd wear an Anthony Rizzo shirt, um, Carrie Wood, a Ryan Sandberg, anything like that, you know, and I think one of the coolest things, I will share this story really quick um, about my dad and just another big cool Cubs fact about him. One time uh, when he was a kid, he was the youngest, I believe. One, the, he was the youngest brother. And they all went to the Cubs game and they left him. My, his, uh, his, his siblings left him or something. He got lost. And, and my dad was telling me, so he's, he's just standing on the side of the road by Wrigley Field He's lost. He doesn't, you know, know how to get home and stuff like that. And a limo pulls up next to him and, and Ernie Banks is in the back of the limo. And he says, hey, kid, what are you doing? Or something like that. And and he says, he's, you know, he needs to go home and his siblings left or whatever. Um, and Ernie Banks gave my dad a ride home. If you don't know who Ernie Banks is, um, he's a Hall of Famer. God rest his soul. He died the same year, I believe, as my dad. Um, he also was not a part of the World Series, got, getting to see it. But I believe he was a part of it on why it all turned out the way it did. Um, he gave my dad a ride home as a kid. And that's just the coolest like story. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, that doesn't happen anymore. You would never see that happen anymore. Um, the closest thing I can think of that is I just saw a video uh, recently of Rob, Gron- Rob Gronkowski from the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New England Patriots uh, helped some guy jumpstart his car. <laughs> and it was like, you never see stuff like that anymore. You really don't. Um, but that's all I wanted to share with you guys today. It's something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. It's a story I've been wanting to share forever now. Um, my dad, Glenn Hughes, made me the man I am today. And without him, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know who I'd be. I don't know what would have happened to me. But without him and my mom, I probably wouldn't. I don't even know. I probably would not be half the man I am today. So thank you guys for listening. You guys are the best. Uh, If you want more stories like this, just about my dad, about my sports history, about what I, my upbringing and stuff like that, just let me know. I think that would be dope. I think that's something to take into consideration for future videos. Um, Thank you guys for listening. This is Mike Hughes from Mike on the Mic. Peace out. God bless.